I've been trying to finish this message for a month. I thought for my, to myself just a minute ago, I thought, is this going to go this way again and I'm not going to finish this message? But we're okay. Hey, I got some news for y'all. Got some news. The property sale across the street, that is finalized. That is a done deal. Calvary Works Worship Center sold that little strip of property for $159,900. We banked $147,303. We have nearly $150,000 provided for by God because someone, everybody look this way, had it in his mind to buy property many years ago. And if you want to know the absolute truth of the matter, when it comes to this renovation we're starting, it was his idea. He dropped it in the, that little bug into the ear of my wife and said, well, you've got a whole bunch of property sitting across the street that ain't doing nothing. We have banked $147,300, and I want to thank my father-in-law for being a visionary. Now, I could take credit for a bunch of that, but it'd be a lie. I just know a good idea when I hear it. That's about all I've got on this, isn't it? That's about all I've got. He gave the idea, that woman sitting right there, that pretty one that I have a matching ring for, her last name is Bedard too. Oh, get, leave it alone, Gary. Just give it up. I've already given you your props. Just keep it in. Just, everybody got a spare sock. We need to stuff that in that mouth right there. Don't take one off. That's just gross. Okay. That, young, that woman right over there, she is the brains at Calvary Worship Center. I'm just going to tell you right now. She is the brains at Calvary Worship Center. Now, I know what Randy Warren is saying right now in his head. Any idiot could have figured out that it wasn't you, Michael. I know. I know my brother back there. I love him to death, but you don't cut me a whole lot of slack. She's the brains. She engineered all this. She got with Celestina Hillett. And uh, we got this done. God was involved. He, saw, he oversaw it. And we have nearly $150,000 going into renovations and improvements around here. So praise God. Speaking of the renovation, we have an exterior renovation meeting in about two weeks to go over the new info regarding the repair of the 13th Street side of the CYC. If you drive down 13th Street at all, that long bare wall uh, got a couple of windows in it and a door. Uh, it's got some damage and it needs some help. And we're going to have a meeting over that in just a couple of weeks. They're finally, uh, they finally were able to find uh, the siding that we needed for that project to be completed uh, because it was like an endangered species. It just didn't exist, man. And so, but they have come across it, and we're going to have a meeting uh, with Tressa and uh, her team, and we're going to get that rolling, so that's coming real soon. And Pusher Signs, that's the company that's going to be manufacturing and installing our new digital sign out here on Beaton Street, says that the sign should be up and working completely by the 20th of October. So that is good news. Amen? I'm excited about that. And it's, it's funny because that sign, it's a pretty big sign. And uh, it's going to be really bright. And I like the fact that it's going to have a feature that's auto-dimming. So when you're driving by at night and all of a sudden some bright background kicks on and you're like, ah, like that, you don't have an accident right there on beating because we're not going to be here and we can't come out and pray for you. So with that said, I'm excited about this sign. I'm excited about the renovation. I'm just excited about what God is doing at Calvary Worship Center. Now, before I move on, 6 o'clock tonight, we have a Harmony Alliance community worship uh, service tonight. I, I, I encourage you to come. I know a lot of people have wondered where has Sunday night services gone. Uh, they have gone by way of COVID-19 in most places. And uh, the reality is, is that 
we are having a Sunday night service at 6 o'clock tonight. And if you want to come to a Sunday night service, Jeremy Teague, who is pastor of the Assembly of God Church, Resurrection Church, is that what it's called? Resurrection Church out on Business 45. He's the pastor there. He is a monster musician. But I've never heard the man preach, but he'll be preaching tonight. Um, Steve Colburn and uh, Courtney Prater are going to be singing special music out of First Baptist Church tonight. And uh, Tyler has vanished. He is going to be leading this worship team in worship tonight. So with that said, come and enjoy. Amen. You, I encourage you to come. It's going to be a great time. Oh, there's refreshments afterward too. I know Pentecostals, we dig that. 1 Samuel chapter 17, our text verse a month ago. I keep saying that because it's been a long time and I'm wanting you guys to try to get your memories and rewind. The Bible says, Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. That was our text verse. And nearly a month ago today, I was discussing with you the story of David and Goliath as it pertains to the issue of depression and anxiety in our lives today and in the, in the world at large. We're talking about David and Goliath regarding anxiety and depression. I spoke of the fact that when David arrived at the Valley of Elah, that he was unceremoniously introduced to the circumstances surrounding the giant Goliath. And his defiance of the Israeli army gathered there at the Valley of Elah. I spoke of how David was not a member of the military, but rather that he was simply on an errand for his father. And that errand had to do with bringing food and refreshments to his brothers who were in the military. I spoke of how no one, in the army of the Lord, was willing to step up and battle Goliath because, quite frankly, they were afraid, and rightly so, that they would die in the attempt to do battle with this Philistine. In fact, the reality of the circumstances there that day in the Valley of Elah is anyone, including Saul, who I pointed out, was a head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel at that time, including him. No one in the military gathered on that slope that day could have stood up to Goliath. No one. That is just the facts. Now, here again, for those of you who may not have been here a month ago, I'm going to point out a fact regarding that, that we needed a David Despite the fact that so many people talk about how you are a giant killer and how you need to go and take out your Goliath and all that stuff, I'm going to tell you right now, in the army of the Lord, on that slope, off the valley of Elah, that day no one was capable of taking that, that, that giant down. No one. The bottom line is, is that they would have died had they ventured out there. It took David, David, to step up and to step in in order to eliminate Goliath's influence that day and free that battlefield up for the army of the Lord to rout the Philistine troops amassed on the, on the opposite slope. It took David to free up that battlefield. You see, the Philistine army wasn't invading either. They were standing behind one giant. They weren't moving forward either. That says an awful lot about the army of the Lord. That Philistine army wasn't looking across the way at the Israeli army who were only afraid 
of Goliath. The Israeli army was not afraid of the Philistine troops. They were afraid of Goliath. Guys, I don't know if you know this. That says a lot about you as children of God. You may not have been able to take out Goliath. We had someone do that for us. But as I will point out later in this message, that was all the motivation Israel needed to go after the Philistines. Okay? I spoke of the fact that David represents Jesus, not us. And that the conflict between God and the devil for the souls of mankind required Jesus to step up and to step in in order to eliminate our Goliath. We're not, this is just by way of footnote here for y'all, we are not fighting Goliath. Stop being afraid. He fought Goliath and he defeated him. We're fighting the Philistines. In light of all of this, we can learn an awful lot from David. We can learn an awful lot from David. We learned that by the time that David had ever walked onto the battlefield with Goliath, that he had already achieved significant victories over other fierce and formidable foes elsewhere. And that he viewed the giant in the exact same way. In other words, guys, pay attention to your wins. If anyone's listening to the podcast right now, they said, oh, we must have lost transmission because he's not talking. Guys, look at me. Pay attention to your wins. Because when the enemy comes against you, in whatever form he comes against you in, he's going to tell you you're nothing. All you have to do is go, oh, I don't know. That lion and that bear that I've already kicked their rear ends up between their shoulder blades, I did that. In Jesus' name, I did that. I don't think they're nothing. You're going to be just like them. Remember your wins. Remember your victories. In addition, we saw that David had an approach. David had a strategy when it came to handling these foes, these enemies, and that he had applied that approach previously with great success and that he would apply it to Goliath with the same results. But the thing is, is that he always gave God the glory for the victory. Okay. We concluded a month ago with 1 Samuel chapter 17. We were in the 10th verse. And that Right there, he said this. This is what the 10th verse of uh, 1 Samuel 17 says. It says, Then the Philistines said, Give me a man and let us fight each other. Give me a man and let us fight each other. I went over this when I was preaching before, when I had to stop. But I'm going to go over this again for context's sake. You see, you have to understand that when Goliath says, give me a man and let us fight each other, this is Goliath's official position. Give me a man. Not the army. A man. A man. Goliath's official position, his press release to all believers, and maybe you'll remember this from three weeks ago, is this. I am bigger, I am stronger, and I am better armed, and I am far more 
intimidating than you can possibly imagine. If someone will just give me someone to kill, someone to destroy, someone to annihilate and to humiliate, someone to defy, we can settle once and for all that your feeble faith and your pathetic Christianity is utterly insignificant and completely subordinate to me and my power. And when I am done with it, I will leave it bleeding out, twitching and quivering in the sand. And you can get down to the business of serving me. Give me a man. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Goliath's official position. And despite the fact that he has been utterly destroyed by our David, by the Lord Jesus Christ, he still uses this tactic to try to intimidate the body of Christ, not in mass, but one man at a time. And I'm telling you right now, because of David, that attack, that approach, that technique, that strategy on the part of the devil, look at me, is a lie. It is deception. If he can just get someone to believe that deception, then defiance is the watchword. He will defy. But it's a lie, brothers and sisters. It is a lie. I need you to remember 1 John chapter 4. Look at what it says. You are, are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is greater than... I'm sorry, because... He who is in you is greater. Than he. Who's in the world. First Peter chapter five says this. Says be alert. And of sober mind. That in and of itself could correct an awful lot of problems in the church. We're so pre, pre, uh, 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 affixed on the reality that so many people have said, oh, we're just blessed and highly favored. We don't need to be alert. And we don't need to be sober-minded. Because I'm blessed. The devil's not after me. That is the strategy of the devil. To make you think, oh, he's not here. I'm way too blessed. Shandai. Be alert, he says, and of sober mind. Now, when we think of sobriety, we think of alcohol. But I'm going to tell you right now, children of God... You don't have to have alcohol to be intoxicated in this day and age. This offers all the intoxication you need. That's all it is. I'm not opposed to cell phones. I own one. But you don't need alcohol to be out of your mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. How do you resist the devil when he comes after you? We talk about spiritual warfare so much, and wow, am I on a tangent. We talk about spiritual warfare all the time. How do you resist the devil? You were just told. Resist him. 
It doesn't say, and stand firm. Uh-uh. It says, resist him, comma, standing firm. Your Christianity isn't going to stop the devil from trying to attack. But your standing firm is going to be your resistance. I believe him and not you lying devil. There's your, there's your resistance. There it is, big as Christmas. And I don't know if you know this, Christmas is pretty big. Yet, despite this utter failure to succeed in this contest there in the Valley of Elah, this exact same technique, modified just a touch to meet his needs at any given point, at any given time, under any given circumstances, the devil even employed this in Jesus' day on Jesus. He still uses it today. Listen to what he did. Listen to this. Matthew 4. You all remember this. Jesus is fasting. The devil comes and tempts him. And he says, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. See, Goliath said the same thing. When I get done with this contest, you guys can get on with the business of serving us. That's what he said. And it's the same thing. It's just in a different wrapper. This is just prettier packaging. If you'll just bow down, I'll give it all to you. It's the same lie, ladies and gentlemen. It's the same lie. Please recognize Goliath's intentions. He said from the onset, this is what he said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. That means that everyone's serving in God's kingdom. Did you hear that? Everyone's serving in God's kingdom. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, everyone are targeted not only for wholesale destruction, but targeted in defiance of our ability to stand up and defeat Him. This all plays out the further we get through this story. In defiance of being able to stop Him from His wanton destruction. You see, this, this defiance isn't just, I want to destroy you. This defiance is, I want to show everybody around you that you can't beat me. So maybe the next person I won't have to work so hard at. If I can beat you, if I can get you to believe me, then I've got you. I defy you. And I'll get to do that with everybody else around you. Because if you're influential enough, if you're important enough, if, you're a, if you are vocal enough about your speech and then you buy the lie of the devil, your downfall has repercussions. Remember that. I defy the armies of Israel. That means that, that, that this is what he's after. We've got to understand what is meant when, by this statement, to defy. We need to realize this. Now, I found this fascinating. I found this very interesting. According to the Hebrew, our Goliath means to pull off our belief. He wants to pull off our faith. Goliath means to expose you and me. Now listen. By stripping our Christianity of its strength, by intimidating us and generating fear. Why? To make us surrender. That's what to defy in this context means. To pull off, to expose by stripping in order to make us surrender. So that's what Goliath's intentions are. When he comes to you to defy you, that's what he's trying to do. Pull off your belief, expose you're a fake and a fraud by stripping you and making you surrender. That's what, is he, that's what he means. If you want to stand up and defeat your Goliath, if you want to do that, remember, we're learning from David. If you want to stand up and defeat your Goliath, then it's very simple. This is very simple. Psalm 46 and 10 says what? 
be still. And know that I am God. What did I just get done saying? If you want to stand up to, to, the, to the devil, all you have to do is believe him rather than the one who's lying to you. Be still and know that I am God. If you can just take a breath in the midst of whatever is happening and let the knowledge and the reality of who He is in you rise up and you know, not hope, not think, Know that He is God. You have just been of sober mind. One thing, or one more thing, excuse me. When David went onto the battlefield, remember, remember what happened. When he went onto the battlefield, he was disrespected, he was dishonored, and he was dismissed by Goliath. So not only is Goliath looking to defy us, he, is, he actively seeks to make us feel small and insignificant as well. That's what he does. Why do you think he comes around with a stature of a giant? To make you feel small. That's exactly what he did with ten spies out of twelve. We, he didn't say, they didn't say when they came back, they didn't say... We looked like grasshoppers to them. They said, we looked like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Oops. I guess that tactic worked. And that's what he's doing. David was disrespected, dishonored, and dismissed. Listen to what 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 41, says. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I mean, for the longest time, I, can, I, I can't even tell you how long, because I mean, this was a long, long time. I never could figure out, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? I thought to myself, what in the world does that even mean? How many of you ever watched VeggieTales? Junior Asparagus? Junior Asparagus. When he was going up against the giant pickle... Yeah, this is deep theology this morning, okay? When Junior Asparagus was going up against the giant pickle, and the pickle said that to him, this is what Junior said. He said, I don't really know what that means, but, uh, and he went on. And that was me forever and a day. I, I, I don't really know what that means. Now, some of you deep thinkers out there probably knew that from the get-go. You knew exactly what was being said there. But if you don't know what that means, it's not a whole bunch of deep theology and doctrine. It's basically Goliath's making fun of David. He's just making fun of him. Do I look like a dog that you're trying to shoo me away with a stick? Is that what you think you're coming out here to do? You're just going to shoo me away with a stick. Essentially, Goliath was saying that David wasn't so much as worth his time. And that all he, he represented, all he could bring to this conflict was nothing more than a stick to run off a dog. Guys, that's the devil for you. Because that's another lie. And he'll use that lie on you. I can imagine Goliath. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I step out of my sense of reality and I superimpose my imagination. And I can just imagine Goliath. Forty days strong, he's been in this tirade with Israel across the valley. Forty days strong. Nothing. If you want to talk about arrogance personified, that's what's going on. 
Okay? Then David walks out. I can just imagine this giant. His eyes hyperextended open in utter disbelief. His mouth agape in utter shock at what he is witnessing unfold in front of him. What with this boy, no military weaponry at all, no armor of any kind, nothing. And this kid is walking out onto the battlefield straight at him. And he's just... And I can hear him saying or thinking, what in the world? Is that? And I can just see him squint his eyes, maybe tilt his head, kind of lean forward a little bit. Is that a boy? He doesn't even have a pocket knife. He's not even carrying a case knife. He doesn't even have an old timer in his pocket. And I can just see him sitting there doing this, and then he stops, he kind of straightens back up, he looks at the soldiers on either side of him, and they're like, hmm. Then he says, across the valley to Saul and the rest of the military, he says this, you mean to tell me that you've got exactly one opportunity to get this right? You've got one shot to defeat me. And this is what you're sending? This is what you're banking your life on? This is what you're banking your entire nation on? You've got one shot and this is what you have? This? A boy? A stick? And then defiantly says, I I want you to understand something. I am no dog. And I will not be shooed away. And this again... Ladies and gentlemen, this again is exactly what Goliath attempts to do with us. Oh, you can go ahead and pray. Doesn't matter. I'm right here. That's exactly what he does. It doesn't matter what you bring to the fight. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished before or what challenges you've faced and what struggles you've overcome. It doesn't matter that you have lions and bears that you've defeated in your past because he's in the here and now and he's going to try to make you feel like nothing more than a stick. Goliath will tell you that it's worth no more than a stick for a dog when compared to him and that your efforts will amount to nothing whatsoever, that it's different. That it's different this time. It may have worked before. This is different. And that by the time he's done with you, you're going to be nothing more than food for scavengers. 1 Samuel 17.44 Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Brothers and sisters, please hear me. Jesus himself said that he is a liar. And the father of all lies. And I'm going to tell you, life is hard at times. And sometimes when he comes against us, when the enemy comes against us, we are prone to leaning toward going, oh no, what am I going to do now? Guys, it's a lie. They that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They will, you might as well clap because this is about you. They will mount up with wings as eagles. This is your heritage. This is where we live. And that liar, that Goliath, is already gone. He's defeated. Don't let the liar speak from the grave. David said, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's going to be like the lion and the bear. And guess what? He was. Today in our lives, David has already defeated Goliath. Everything that Goliath says from now on is from the grave. And when Goliath died, so did his army. 
ineffectual unless you allow it. Look into this. Watch this. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Jay, you do not have this. Chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 51. And we're going to read through verse 53. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Listen to this. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Listen to 52. This is the important thing. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistine to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shaharim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you understand the symbolism that's involved in that. But if David is the Lord and Goliath was the enemy and when he died, when Goliath was conquered, that's when Israel surged forward and plundered, slaughtered, then plundered. Guys, that's what we're supposed to be doing. He said, Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, go into all the world. Surge. We treat this like it's scary. And I don't think that, you know, this is going to be my human being side. How would we feel if we could feel this? Okay? And I don't know that we'll be able to feel this. But from... This perspective here on terra firma, how would we feel if we were timid about our faith, seeing that our David has destroyed our Goliath, when we had the opportunity and the power to do so, we failed to surge forward, slaughtering as we went, and then come back and pillage the camp of the enemy. When on Judgment Day we stand there and watch all those within our circle of influence being judged as not being known by God. Now, I don't know that we're going to feel anything about that. I have no idea. I strongly doubt it. But all I have is this perspective. This is all I've got. How are we going to feel if we aren't perpetually and constantly surging forward in our faith. Because, not because we're supposed to, because, oh my, no, no, no. Because Goliath is dead. And David is alive. We have the right, the power, and the commandment to surge forward, slaughtering as we go. How would we feel if on the day of judgment we stand and watch those we knew and loved, but not enough to share the gospel with them, not enough to be Jesus to them in our life, in our speech, in our actions, watching them judged to eternity without God. How would we feel if we could feel that? Our eternity in glory is, etern- is forever. You will never get out of God's presence. Wow. What about those who will forever and always never ever be in the presence of God in His glory and joy and love and power? And you know, I'm not asking you to go out and save the world. Neither did Jesus. Just be Jesus to those that are around you. Just be Him. Be Him. Act like the one who says, I am transforming you into the image of the Son of God. Well, then be transformed. 
Now listen, I'm going to shut this down. We're, we're coming to a close. Regarding me, regarding my depression, my anxiety, all of this stuff, all of this horrible, awful stuff, my breakthrough didn't come until I discovered what it actually was that I was fighting against. There's nothing like shadow boxing. When you're throwing punches and getting tired for no reason at all. Because there's nothing there. I had to discover what it was I was actually fighting to even be able to face it. Because if you don't know what it is, you don't look at it. And you can't face it to fight it. And you're just struggling. That's all you're doing. It had a name. What I was dealing with, what I was battling for God only knows how long, had a name. It had a face. My doctor, he helped me realize some things that, I'm going to be honest with you, I just didn't know. I had no idea. Until I realized what it was that I was dealing with, what I was battling with, what I was contending against, I struggled not only with depression, but with the stifling sense, and this is important because this just may tag some of you. I was battling with the stifling sense that all, all of the issues that I was fighting against, the anger, the anxiety, the fear, the utter, perfect, sheer exhaustion, and so on meant this. It meant this. All of that stuff. It meant that I was the problem. I was the failure. That my Christianity was flawed. That my Christianity was faulty. And that I wasn't living up to the countless claims that are made by countless Christians and ministers concerning what Christians are supposed to act like. Are supposed to live like. And are supposed to think like. And speak like, etc. In other words, it was all my fault. All of it. I was nothing more than a stick trying to shoo away a giant. That's exactly what it was. My faith, just like Goliath said, was left bleeding out, twitching and quivering in the sand. But some months ago is when I realized. And I don't know why it didn't come to me before. I have no idea why this didn't occur to me. Because not only have I heard this, but I've even preached it and taught it before this. What is that incredible revelation that I finally came up with? It's all a lie. I'm not telling you that whatever is causing your depression or your anxiety, or your fear, or whatever it is, hasn't really happened? I'm not saying that. What happened to me really happened. As a matter of fact, I was hardwired. I'm still working through this. Because when your neurotransmitters are wired repetitively in certain ways... That's the pathways they take. And believe it or not, you merely have to, I say merely, you have to rewire your brain's thinking. And we're going to get into that at another time with another series because I'm already there. But that's the thing. It's all a lie. What happened isn't. But what you're being told by yourself and your enemy, those are lies. Those are lies. It's all an attempt 
on the part of a dead giant. It's all attempt to circumvent the reality that God is for me. God is for you. That He has plans for us. That He hasn't and will never leave us. And and despite everything that I'm feeling in real time, in three dimensions and in real time, despite everything that I'm feeling, despite everything that I'm experiencing, He always accompanies me in this life. Psalm 16. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. The prophet Jeremiah, I've already alluded to it early in this service. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. How many of you have ever experienced depression, anxiety, and the like, and you look at Scriptures like that and you say, When? Let me tell you something. When you cry out at Him and say, When are you going to do this? I'm alone here. He says, Be still. And know who I am. Because I am God. There is a time. There is a day. There is things coming your way. That's not preacher speak. That's Bible fact. And I am living proof of it. I love this. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. How many times have I sat in the dark, gritting my teeth with hot tears, pouring down my face without hope? And if not without hope, on the border of it. And he says, plans to give you hope and a future. Everything Goliath says, listen, everything Goliath says, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's not my fault. It's not your fault either. My Christianity is not flawed. You want to know why my Christianity isn't flawed? Because my Christianity doesn't depend on me. My Christianity is based in Him. And He is the sovereign Lord over my life. And as messed up as I may be, and may have been, and may continue to be, He is still Lord over my life. Make Him Lord over yours. And you believe despite anything that is surrounding you, despite anything you are feeling, despite anything that you are experiencing, you believe Him and not a dead giant. He is Lord of all. And if you don't believe that, you hang around and watch Him. Because He's going to strut some lordship. You watch. All of the anger, anxiety, fear, exhaustion is only... Now listen to this. I want you to feed on this because I'm within seconds of closing, closing this message out. All of that stuff is Goliath's way of just trying to trip me up, trying to trip you up, trying to slow us down, enslaving us to our thoughts, enslaving us to our hurts, and in essence, defeating me on the battlefield and making me serve Him by not being able to serve the Lord to the fullest. How many of you understood what I just said? If He can get in your head and slow you down, then whether you like it or not, you believe anything that He says, whether you like it or not, you're still serving Him. 
Because with your mind fixed on Him, it's not fixed on Christ. And if it's not fixed on Christ, then you're not serving God to your fullest potential. You're serving Goliath. How does it feel to serve a dead giant? Basically, believing Him is nothing more than being hobbled. So I can't serve the Lord with everything in me because so much of me is tied up in my depression and my anxiety. In a word, I was Jacob Marley. Chained to my past. I had to get a Christmas reference in there somewhere. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. He may be a giant. And you may be contending with one. But I'm telling you right now, you don't have to. Because he and everything he says is a lie. Because our David has already dealt harshly with him. Somebody better say praise God. Guys, listen to me. Depression, anxiety, fear, and all of that, ex- all that stuff, that is a very real thing in our society. I read the, I read the um, statistics weeks and weeks ago. I read them. But here's the reality. For us, for us who have a David, we have a David. The things that happen to you, those things are real. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. You don't have to stay there. Why? Because that giant is a dead giant. As a matter of fact, what's so embarrassing about Goliath right now? As Goliath stands there in front of you and roars his defiance in order to pull off and strip you of your faith and your power, he's having to hold his head over here because it ain't up here. I'm telling you right now, you might as well look at that enemy and you might as well say, look, I see you, I hear you, I choose not to believe you because I believe him. For he says of me, I know the plans he has for me. And guys, stand with me. That's the plan.